It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam! I'm telling you, it's time to party! Welcome back to another episode of, I guess, this is the Red Seat Podcast? I probably should have checked with Jake before I did this. Uh, it's either the Red Seat Podcast or the Over the Monster Podcast. I guess it doesn't really matter what I call it. It's all in the same feed, uh, but... If you are hearing this and you've listened before, you know that my voice it is Matt Collins, and I always butcher these openings anyway, so I'm not really stressing about it. Uh, lucky for me today, though, I'm not with Jake, which is a nice little change of pace. I am instead with uh, Shelly. Shelly, what's going on with you? 
Um, it's it's going okay. Uh, you know, just kind of watching the playoffs here and uh, trying to get away from real life. So yeah, it's going all right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I gotta say one of the good things about the Reds, nothing going on with the Red Sox right now, is that I don't have to be online as much anymore because uh, <laughs> we live in hell. So <laughs> I don't have to see constant updates unless I really want to. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but we are not going to talk about any of that because nobody wants to hear that. Uh, instead, we are going to talk about the Red Sox, who, while while they have nothing going on right now, uh, obviously they are doing some work in the front office to get prepared for the coming off season. It is going to be a busy one for Heim Bloom and company uh, over at Fenway. There is a lot to do on this roster, to say the least. Uh, earlier this week, uh, or over the weekend, I guess I should say, I wrote an article at Over the Monster about just some general to-do points on Heim Bloom's off-season list. Obviously, there's more specifics than what I wrote, but we're going to kind of go through some of the general stuff uh, that is on Bloom and the rest of the front office's plate. And, I mean, I think we have to start at the obvious place. So, the Red Sox... As we know by now, they decided not to bring Ron Reneke back for the 2021 season. Uh, that was not a surprise to anybody, but without a manager in tow, that is clearly job number one for the front office, figure out who's going to be running the dugout. And we can't really talk about this search without talking about Alex Cora first. So before they can even really start going headfirst into interviews and kind of figuring out where they want to go i think the first thing that they have to do is just kind of make a binary decision as to whether or not alex cora can really be considered here so i guess there's kind of two two directions we can look at this from and we'll go with both um i mean whether or not we think they should be looking at alex cora as a viable candidate and whether or not they will so um i I will let you start, and we'll start with, uh, do you think they should? Um, uh, yeah, Alex Cora has, like, always been kind of, like, this kind of thing that I really, I knew that we were going to have to deal with in the offseason. I didn't really want to. Um, I generally liked how he managed, um, especially, um, you know, when it came to the bullpen, and then, like, his you know kind of like discussion with Raphael Devers and how he kind of like discussed kind of things and how he kind of like and and, and seeing like Rafi's kind of comments and Rafi was like really good defensively at third base and it's like Alex Cora is like a really good guy to kind of like calm him down so I would like to see Alex Cora back for that other than that, I really, I just, I, I, I just, honestly, I just don't see us, I, I just don't see the Red Sox bringing him back. Uh, it's too much of, you know, a black mark on the team if we do. Yeah, I think, I think I definitely agree with your last point. I don't think they're going to want to cross that bridge. Um, I actually, I think the, I think ownership would be totally okay with it. I think it was pretty clear um, from Cora's, pretty much Cora's entire tenure, and especially the press conference where they announced that he wasn't going to be the manager anymore. Um, him and ownership were close, and I think they would 
be on board with bringing him back, but I think I don't think Heim Bloom wants to bring him back, and I think that part of it is the sign stealing stuff and his connection with the Astros and all that. But I also think Bloom probably just wants. I mean, I think the term like his guy when we talk about managers with GMs is a little bit overused, but I think Bloom wants a guy that he has a relationship with and that he is like if Alex Cora comes back this is Alex Cora's team and Heim Bloom's kind of the number two that's just Cora's one world series here he has that rapport with the players and that's not a bad thing but I think Bloom will and I mean arguably should use this opportunity to kind of have a collaborator that they're at least on equal footing I just don't know that that's possible with Alex Cora um, as far as my feelings on Cora I I like Alex Cora a lot. He's seems like a really good guy. Um, you mentioned all that with Rafael Devers. I think a really underrated part of the Cora relationship with players um, was actually with Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, Cora was bizarrely tough on Rodriguez publicly in a way that he wasn't with other people or other players on the team. Um, he kind of trashed Rodriguez a lot in press conferences, but it w- never really seemed mean-hearted. It just kind of seemed like Cora knew that's how you get to Rodriguez, and I think the way that he, the way that he worked with players was great, and I think he's a great manager. But at the same time, I just I can't get past the Astros thing, and to a lesser extent, I can't really get past the Red Sox thing. And um, I think there's a fair argument that Cora was thrown under the bus and kind of made out to be a bigger part of the Astros thing than he really was, and the players obviously played a big role too, and acting like Cora was like the lone mastermind and the players are kind of following the leader, I think is a little overblown, but at the same time, he was a leader. He was one of the top two coaches in the dugout, and I don't think he should be banned from baseball or anything, but I think I don't think it's unreasonable to think that somebody who got caught in two cheating scandals, one of which is one of the biggest scandals of like the last century in the sport, shouldn't be able to reach back to the pinnacle of the profession, which is managing. So, I mean, I think if teams want to hire him as like a front office guy or even like a bench coach or something like that, I think that's fine. But I'm, I would rather, I don't think that he should manage again, and I would rather not root for a team that he's managing for. As much as I like him both as a manager and just as a guy, he seems like a really great guy. I just think it's a bridge too far for me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. Like, I, I, I do think that, you know, he's, a, like you said, like, he's a really, really good uh, player, like, a communicator with players. Like, he can really communicate well. And, I mean, I did see, like, this weekend, like, he's, you know, he's in the running with A.J. Hinch, which I thought is funny. You know, they're going to kind of uh, interview for the, the Tigers opening, which uh, might be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, if, if I was a team, um, if I could get him as a bench coach, uh, front office, something, because he is a great communicator. He's a really good dude. But I just don't really want to be around the, you know, Astros trash can. Yeah, exactly. I would just rather not deal with it. And I mean, all of that being said, I'm not going to lie. If they do hire Alex Cora, there will be a significant part of me that's excited for all of the reasons yeah, yeah. I said. So, I mean, there's definitely some hypocrisy there with me um, that I will readily admit. But if I had, if I had my way, I would just. I think I would rather they just move in a different direction. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so if we're crossing Alex Cora off the list which obviously we can't actually do that in real life um, and 
there's a decent chance that it happens, but um, there's also a decent chance that it doesn't. So, I mean, there's a lot of possible names right now. The Red Sox kind of keep this stuff close to the vest um, with their manager searches in the past, at least. So I don't know how much we're actually going to hear about who they're interested in and things like that. I mean, the Tigers came right out and said Alex Cora and AJ Hinch. That's not really how the Red Sox are going to roll. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, are there any names, even if they haven't really been said officially, that you are interested in and that you would probably favor them hiring? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like did like some like some like just kind of like research because I mean, again, like you said, the the Red Sox kind of really keep this clo- close to the best. Um, but there is there's a raised bench coach, Matt Quatero. Um, he spent the last two seasons as a bench coach. Um, he's also worked with uh, Tito um, in Cleveland as an assistant hitting coach. Like I've heard some like really good things. Um, and you know, so he's got a, like a lot of ties, quote unquote, to the Red Sox. You know, especially if he's raised, maybe working with Tito, um, Matt Kotze. Um, he he interviewed with the Giants um, this offseason before they hired Mark Kotze. Mark Kotze. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he interviewed with the Red Sox too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, those two guys, um, I think, would be um, maybe some interesting guys. Um, I will put Jason Veritek out there because that's always the rumor, but I just I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not betting on Veritech. Jake and I had talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, and what I said then, I still feel now. I'm not. In the past, I kind of just like laughed it off as kind of a ridiculous, just a ridiculous thing that fans wanted, but wasn't actually really going to happen. Um, this year, I still certainly think it's less than fifty percent, and um, I think there are a handful of other guys that I would put ahead of them on the list of likeliness to happen, but I wouldn't like be totally blown away if it happened um just because he yeah. was with the team this year and he's obviously respecting the organization so um it's more possible this year than it has been in years past at least um yeah i mean i think quattro is probably the front runner at least in my mind i mean this is total speculation this is no inside information but it just seems like the perfect fit he's been a He's been sort of pegged as a future manager for a few years now. He obviously has the Heim Bloom connection. Uh, the Rays, as much as I hate the Rays, if you're looking for <laughs> on-field strategy and kind of working analytics into your on-field product and your day-to-day managing, I mean, the Ra- you don't look any further than the Rays. They roll out with a different lineup every single day. They do weird things with the bullpen and with their defense. So um, I think he's probably the favorite and he would probably be my favorite of external candidates at least um another guy that i've always really liked um i wanted them to hire him last winter um i believe i wanted them to hire him when alex Cora got hired as well uh but hensley mullins mullins i actually don't even know how to say his name it's kind of embarrassing but uh he's been he's been a coach for a long time uh, he spent a long time 
coaching in San Francisco, working under uh, Bruce Bochy, who's obviously one of the best managers of the last like quarter century or so, one of the best managers ever, really. Um, he has managed for the Netherlands in the World Baseball Classic, which is high-level baseball, and also is the team that Xander Bogarts uh, has played on. Um, he has a reputation for being really good with players, sort of a la Alex Cora, and he speaks a bunch of different languages, which obviously helps with that as well. So Hensley Millens is one of my favorites. Um, another sort of under-the-radar name to look for is uh, George Lombard. He's the first base coach for the Dodgers. It'd be kind of a big jump. It's kind of, it's probably not going to happen, but he's a guy that's sort of bubbling up as somebody that people see as a future manager, so the Red Sox could try and strike early. Uh, they also have some familiarity with him as he coached in the Red Sox system for a long time earlier in like the early 2010s um, down in the minors, so uh, they know him well presumably if they liked him. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an interview. Like I said, he's probably a bit of a long shot, but um, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, Quattroro, probably number one in terms of who I want and who I think will get it, um, but Mullins and Lombard are some other names I would look forward to. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about uh, Mullins. Uh, yeah, I think he would be a, a really, really uh, good guy uh, to be manager for this team as well. Yeah, he's he's gotten interviews and for like every managerial opening for like five years now. So it's, it's weird that he hasn't gotten a chance yet. I don't know if he's just a bad interviewer or what's going on there, but uh, yeah. at some point he's going to get his chance. So I'd like to see if the Red Sox. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll obviously keep you updated. Hopefully. I mean, usually we find out when they at least bring guys in for interviews. I don't even know how that's going to work this year with COVID. Are they even going to bring guys in? Probably not, which means that we're not going to really hear anything. It was just zoom meetings. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking that we're just, like, basically going to have, like, a press conference and someone's going to be announced. Yeah, like, at some point, somebody, gonna... like, Alex Spear is going to tweet out, like, the Red Sox are having a press conference tomorrow at noon and they're going to hire uh, Matt Quattroro or whoever they're going to hire. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. It's not like we're <laughs> looking for anything to talk about ever. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so that's going to be number one on the list for the Red Sox this off offseason. Uh, but beyond the manager there's also obviously a lot to figure out with the players and it's a really interesting winter coming up for the Red Sox I mean obviously the number one thing is that their team is bad and they need to make it good so I mean the big thing is who they're gonna sign for the major league roster to make them more competitive in 2021 I don't know if anybody's really looking at them to be a division favor or anything like that but just a decent product to put on the field so that's the big thing and that's going to be a focus for other days uh but they also have a really interesting 40-man situation coming up so Red Sox don't have a ton of guys leaving the 40-man I believe Jackie Bradley Jr. is actually their only free agent this year um so they yeah. have a full 40 man but there's going to be a lot of non-tenders and stuff which we're going to get to in a second but all of that is important because they have a glut of prospects that they will need to add to the 40 man to protect them from the rule five draft um that will I don't believe there's a date out for when that has to be done, but it's usually like mid to late November when they need to figure that out. And so this year, the Red Sox, by my count, have six 
for sure slam dunk they're gonna add them to protect them and then there are a few interesting names kind of on the periphery of that list that could be added uh so before we kind of get to the fringier names i just want to make sure that we're on the same page with the slam dunks um Anybody you disagree with that will be protected on this list. I have uh, Jay Groom, Brian Mata, Hudson Potts, Jason Rosario, Connor Siebold, and Connor Wong as sure bets. Yep, lock it and load it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think some people might be surprised by Groom just because he hasn't pitched basically at all and really hasn't pitched above a ball in his career. And obviously, if he gets picked in the Rule 5 draft, he has to spend time in the majors, but... It's not very hard to hide a pitcher if a team did pick him if he went unprotected, and the upside is just enormous. So um, there's really yeah, no I, I yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this year was supposed to be like his big big season to kind of you know do some things, but you know you know COVID happened and all that stuff. But he's I mean he's looked good at uh, Sim City, so uh, yeah, he's definitely a lock. Um, yeah, and then as far as the other names go, Brian Mata, obviously, he's uh, relatively close to the majors and one of their top prospects. Connor Wong, same thing. They traded for him uh, in the Mookie Betts deal. He probably would have split this year between AA and AAA, so he's right on the verge. And then uh, Potts, Rosario, and Siebold were all deadline acquisitions, and the reason the reason they were able to get those three guys, uh, Siebold was part of the Workman Hembry deal. Potts and Rosario were in the return for, or the entire return for Mitch Moreland. Uh, all three of those guys kind of seemed more valuable than what the Red Sox had given up. But the reason that they were able to get them is because they were Rule Five eligible. So the Red Sox were not going to trade for those guys and then just leave them unprotected in the Rule Five draft. That wouldn't have made any sense. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so. Beyond that, there are some other names that could be considered. Um, certainly not slam dunks. Probably a decent argument. That they're all kind of less than 50%, but I think there's an argument for all of them to be protected or, if unprotected, for somebody to take a chance on them. Uh, starting with Edward Bizzardo. Uh, Bizzardo is a right-handed reliever, has had success in the high minors, uh, was sort of surprisingly left unprotected in last year's Rule 5 draft and didn't get picked. Uh, that is the biggest reason why I think he won't be protected this year. Um, he wasn't part of the aforementioned SimCity in Pawtucket, um, so teams haven't really gotten a chance to see him. But given how good he was uh, just a couple of years ago, it's not impossible, and, I mean, he's major league ready. Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, I mean, going back to last year, I was surprised that he wasn't protected, and then I was not, uh, definitely surprised that he wasn't selected. Um, so I'm thinking that Heinblum, you know, especially because he, you know, he wasn't part of some city. I'm hoping that you know maybe they're thinking that they can sneak him through one more season. Um, but if he does get at it, I won't be surprised. Yeah, I kind of, I don't, I don't, I kind of get the feeling. That there, that Bloom isn't all that high on him. I mean, mm-hmm. just given the churn of pitchers that we saw this year, you would think if they liked him, um, even not protecting him, they would have found a way to get him 
at the alternate site and potentially get up to the majors. I mean, we saw how many innings from like Robert Stock and Matt Hall (laughs) and all these guys. Um, That's fair. That's fair. So I think if they liked Bizarro, they would have seen him. Um, I like Bizarro. I think he is a major league arm. Um, I was impressed when I've seen him. In Portland uh, in 2019, I think he has stuff. He doesn't have back-of-the-bullpen kind of stuff. His fastball isn't really that big, and I don't know that his breaking ball is good enough to get him to that level, but I think he's a major leaguer, but I just I don't know that the Red Sox agree with me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, another name would be uh, Pedro Castellanos. Castellanos has sort of been a weird guy in the system for a few years now. Uh, he's a first baseman, which probably hurts his chances of being protected. Um, it's not as easy to hide a guy in the active roster all year when he doesn't really have any defensive versatility, and he's a first base only profile. That said, um, the bat is good. The issue with this bat throughout his minor league career has been that he just hasn't been able to hit for power in games. Uh, in batting practice, he has been bananas with his power in scouts haven't really understood how that's worked because it hasn't shown up in games but then uh second half in 2019 he started hitting for power out of nowhere in games he had eight home runs in his last 30 games of that season um some people started to think that he was finally showing it so it was i think he was one of the players most affected by not being able to play in the minors this year to kind of show that was for real and i think if he had been able to do that, I think he would have been a guy that they would have been looking to add to the 40-man. Um, but since, again, we didn't get to see him, he also wasn't part of that group in Pawtucket. I don't really see them protecting him, but I think he's talented enough to be considered. Uh, yeah, um, I totally agree. Like, uh, Cassianos has like, just always been a guy where I'm just like, I- I've just, just been so confused because uh, I've you know, seen BP, I've heard about BP from scouts, and he looks amazing, and then he puts up, like, zero power, but the dude can hit, he really can, um, but I agree, I, I don't think that he is going to be protected, because I, I, there's just really no way a team really could just keep him on their, you know, their roster for an entire year, um, you know, he didn't get over high A, he doesn't have a lot of power, so I, yeah, I, I don't think that, um, he's going to be added. Yeah, it would, it would have to be like a team like the 2019 Orioles kind of team that just like <laughs> hasn't been trying since the start, and they're just going to put whoever on their roster they think can help in like three years. But I don't know. I don't know that that team really exists looking at the next year, and even if it does, uh, they're going to be picking early enough in the Rule 5 draft that they're going to be getting a couple players better than Castellanos. Yeah. Um, And then... Who else do I have on this list? Uh, another guy. This has been... I, I've always... Sometimes I feel like I'm on an island with him. I don't really know how other people feel about him, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on um, Juan Martinez. Um, he is... I've always sort of been in love with the idea of Martinez. I think more than Martinez himself. Uh, but he is sort of the prototypical surprise rule five draft in that he's a reliever which makes him very easy to hide and he has big stuff with very raw 
command. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm curious to hear what you think of Martinez just in general and as a Rule Five kind of guy. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, he has you know really really good stuff, uh, but he honestly just doesn't know where he's going, where it's going. Um, if a team wanted to hide him, I could see it. But knowing that he's already 24 years old and hasn't gotten above high A, I really do doubt it. But I do. Uh, I do. I, I'm intrigued by the stuff, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they'll protect him. I don't think he'll get taken either. But man, it just takes one team to see a guy that throws a hundred. Um, I mean, he doesn't sit a hundred, but he can. He can hit a hundred, and he'll sit like ninety-seven. And he's got a slider that can work. He's got a changeup that can work. Um. He was really good in 2019, and then he got hurt, and that kind of put things put things on pause for a little bit, and he wasn't quite the same when he first got back. Um, he's another guy, kind of like Castellanos, that I think is really one of the guys that was most affected by not not being able to play this year. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Um, let me see if there's any other names on this list. Looking quickly, I mean, there's a few that stand out as like personal favorites, but not really anybody that's going to get uh, taken. Like uh, Cutter Crawford, I like, but he's coming off an injury. I don't even know when he's going to be ready to pitch again. Uh, Chad yeah. De La Guerra, guy that I like. Um, I mean, he's a guy I think you could hide, but I don't know that he doesn't really have the upside that a rebuilding team would want to hide, and he's not really good enough right now that a win now team would want to hide yep totally agree um yeah tate Matheny's a guy that i really like big makeup really good defensively but he's like a fifth outfielder um mm-hmm. yeah there's really nobody else that i see i don't know if you had any other names that you were thinking of yeah i didn't really have um any other names either yeah but i mean even so that's six definites and three fringy probably not but at least you're thinking about it and it doesn't at first like when you first start thinking about it you look at the Red Sox roster and you're like oh, it's not really that hard to find six guys to jettison off this roster but it's not that simple because obviously they need to add multiple players to the roster as well um, mm-hmm. so it's a big crunch and that kind of takes us to uh, the second to last to-do list item for the Red Sox, which is uh, who they're going to tender contracts to. So the Red Sox uh, and every other team, um, anybody who is eligible for arbitration or is pre-arbitration eligible uh, needs to be tendered a contract um, before... I don't remember when that date is. All the dates are mixed up. But at some point in the offseason, they need to figure out what they're doing with all of the guys who are not... Um, already under a guaranteed contract for 2021, and there is a lot of them. So uh, (laughs) we'll just quickly go through pretty much everyone. Uh, We can spend a little more time on some of the fringier ones, but I think most of them are fairly obvious, Um, and I'm just going to start from the top of... I'm looking at Cot's contract, so if I'm missing anybody, uh, yell at them. Don't yell at me, because I am just reading off their list. But uh, Eduardo Rodriguez... He's a really interesting guy looking ahead to 2021, but there's, I mean, there's no way they don't tender him a contract. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Matt Barnes, 
They're going to tender him a contract. Yep. Uh, Jose Peraza, I would assume they're not going to. Uh, yeah, he gone. Yeah, Peraza didn't even finish the year on the Major League roster. Um, still baffling that they signed him instead of Brock Holt, although Brock Holt didn't make, his, make it through the year with his original team either. Uh, Zach Godley? What are you thinking on Zach Godley? Yeah, I think he's going to. He entered the uh, end of the year with an injury to his arm. So, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't even know if he's going to be able to pitch. Um, he's the kind of guy that I could see. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to give him a major league contract this offseason, so I could see him making his way back on a minor league deal, um, especially if he likes the Red Sox training staff. You kind of see that. He's got an elbow injury, so this could be something that goes into next year. So sometimes you see yeah. that with guys who just like want to be with the medical staff. Um, and plus, the Red Sox, obviously, we don't know what they're doing with the pitching staff, but it's hard to think that there's not going to be a lot of opportunity on the staff next year as well. So, um, Yeah, I would agree. He's not going to be on the 40-man. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he's back in the organization, though. Uh, yeah, sure. Kevin Plawecki. Uh, yeah, totally. He's totally on the team. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, I think, I think Davey Grillon, who they picked up off waivers, is a really interesting future backup. Um, but I think yeah. for next year you can live with him as your third catcher because in a full season you generally need more than two catchers. So Kevin Plawecki was good enough this year to earn his way back. Yep. Uh, Dylan Covey. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I had enough Dylan Covey in my life for one year. Uh, Rafael <laughs> Devers, obviously, coming back. Yep. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Devers in a few minutes uh, with respect to his contract. Uh, let's see. Alex Verdugo, obviously, being tendered. Ryan Weber? Um, he is, I, I will say, uh, Weber is not arbitration eligible, so he would only be paid the minimum. Yeah, I, I think they'll bring him back. I think that he... Once he got out of the like the rotation for a bit, and he was just kind of like this uh, opener or just kind of like bullpen guy, he is okay. Yeah, he seems like a guy that you could kind of live with as um, sort of a poor man's Brian Johnson, a la twenty eighteen. Um, <laughs> yeah, a guy that can kind of swing between the rotation, the bullpen, and. If you need a roster spot for a prospect or whatever in, like, the second week of May, he's not hard to DFA if you need to find that space. Yeah. Uh, Nick Pavetta, they wouldn't have traded for him if they weren't going to keep him around. Exactly. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, like Ryan Weber, uh, would be making the minimum. Uh, no. No. I don't know. See, I think... I think he will be back. Springs has kind of been my pet pitcher this year. Um, he was horrendous in his first couple outings, and I think that kind of put him in sort of the Matt Hall zone with a lot of people. <laughs> um, but he was really solid for... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like four weeks there in the middle of the season. He had a lot of strikeouts this year, which kind of surprised me a little bit. He didn't really strike me as that guy, although it shouldn't have been that surprising looking at his numbers in the minors. Uh, But, I mean, he's got a major home run problem, and that is certainly worrisome, but I think for the minimum they'll bring him back he also has options so you can start him down oh in the minus. okay yeah okay yeah definitely uh ryan brazier uh yeah i think so yeah i think so too um i think he's the second best reliever in the bullpen right now maybe third depending on how you feel about tarwins and hernandez um I also think that probably says more about the bullpen than Brazier himself. But, <laughs> exactly. But uh, you got to work with what you have. So, I, yeah, I think he'll be back. Uh, oh, this is an interesting one. Both of us had uh, Marcus Walden as our, prote- our predicted unsung hero heading into the year. And uh, yeah. we whiffed pretty badly on that one. So uh, what do you think happens with Walden next year? Uh, he looks so bad this year. He looks so lost. Um... I think that they do, but I would definitely not be surprised if they don't end up with contracts. Yeah, I kind of am leaning towards them not. This is the first yeah. time I've thought about it, uh, so I might change my mind if I think about it a little bit more. I know he didn't really throw that many innings, and I'm really trying hard. For most guys, I'm kind of writing off every number that they put up this year. But he, like you said, he looked so bad. Um, yeah. He's another guy I could see trying to bring back on a minor league deal. But I wouldn't, given how many 40-man spots they need, I would have to do the math a little bit and see how many spots I think would reasonably be opened up before I commit. But my gut is that I think he's a non-tender. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, like you said, like they have they have so many guys that they need to add, so... Yeah, you're probably right, but man, we totally whiffed on him. Yeah, I really was high on him coming into the year. He was was terrible. Uh, Josh Taylor kind of had a lost year, but I think he'll be back. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Austin Bryce? Yeah, I think so. I kind of like what he did this year. Yeah, he's a solid... I don't think you want him in your top, like, four in your bullpen, but if you can kind of put him in, like, a middle relief role, I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Michael Chavis... I think it's interesting in that he might be a trade candidate, but I think they're certainly going to give him a deal. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, while I'm not the biggest fan, you can't – there's still something there. Yeah, yeah. You, you, if you give up Adam, on him, you have to at least get something back. Yeah. Uh, Wei Lin. This kills me because I, I love the dude, but I, 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 I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if he had options left, it would be a different story. Uh, but I just I don't think that there's room for him on the active roster at this point. Not guaranteed. Yeah, 
not a good yeah, answer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's like so many like more like the util types that have options and Lynn doesn't. So, yeah. Uh, Colton Brewer? Didn't really pitch a lot this year. Sort of, I kind of forgot about Colton Brewer. Yeah. Um, I... Hmm. No... I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, because, like you said, like, he didn't really pitch that much this year, so, um, uh, they, I mean, they traded for him last year, so, mm, yeah, uh, maybe, he's, like, in a maybe camp. Yeah, he's sort of on the fringe, too, I kind of lean towards them tendering him a deal, they kind of put him in an impossible situation when he did pitch this year. This feels like so long ago. It wasn't really that long ago. He was starting. They made him a starter this year, which is really weird and something that I had just memory hold, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think they, I think that means that they at least like him. Um, yeah. So I, I think they'll bring him back. But he's, yeah, I don't think he's a super slam dunk. Uh, yeah, li- like you, I totally forgot that he started yeah, this year. Yeah, that was so uh, weird. Uh, yeah, very... <laughs> 2020 is great. Yeah, what, what happened there? Uh, Darwin's and Hernandez, obviously. Yep. Uh, Christian Arroyo, I would say, played his way into a deal. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I totally agree there. Uh, Matt Hall, I would say, is probably gone. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah I don't think we're going to be seeing Matt Hall again. Uh, Phillips Valdez, seems like an easy yes. Yep. Uh, agree. Jonathan Arauz, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then there's some. I'm not going to go through the rest of this list. Um, let me see. There's some guys. There's some prospects that I think we'll probably talk about later. Um, we don't really have to get into it now, but I will say that I think Yuan Ibar, CJ Chatham, Kyle Hart are interesting. Um, they don't have to be tendered a deal exactly but i think they might get taken off the 40-man roster but again we can get into that stuff later um a couple other names i do want to throw out there though would be guys like uh chris mazza um i actually didn't dislike him (laughs) um this year so yeah maybe i think that he could be kind of like maybe one of like the fringe guys um i mean he when he was starting um there like towards the end of the season i thought uh, he wasn't horrible so yeah yeah i call i called maza my sort of um stockholm syndrome guy like i watched (laughs) so many bad pitchers he was just he looked good and i think i think i definitely overrated him in my head a little bit but yeah he looked like a confident major leaguer at least which is saying something yeah uh, Yairo Munoz, I think, for sure, played his way onto the roster. Agreed. Uh, let me see. Cesar Pueyo? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. He doesn't have options, which I think, as with Lynn, uh, definitely plays against him. And uh, the yeah. last one would be Andrew Triggs, and he is arbitration eligible. I think so. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was kind of impressed with like a few of his, uh, kind of starts. Uh, I mean, he's always had injury issues, you know, when he was with the A's and all that, but I I didn't dislike what he did. Yeah, I think, 
he's another guy that I would have to do the math and figure out exactly yeah. how many roster spots there are. On the one hand, he does have options. On the other hand, he's going to be 32 next year. Um, oh, wow. He's kind yeah. of... So is Marcus Walden, which is kind of surprising. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's... I sort of lean towards no, but I would have to think harder about that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but, yeah, so that's a long list of players that are not very impressive. And uh, that's <laughs> sort of what the Red Sox are dealing with right now. Uh, but before we get into listener questions, uh, the final thing on my to-do list for Bloom and something that's probably pushed back until later in the offseason after they figure out free agency and trades and kind of set the roster for 2021 um, is to start thinking about extensions for some of their big players. So there's four guys that seem like viable extension candidates. Three, three I think, would be exciting extensions. Another one would be sort of interesting. Uh, the last one I'm talking about there is Andrew Benintendi. Uh, but I want to start with the first three, which would be Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo. Um, Bogarts has an opt-out in his deal after 2022. Uh, Devers is a free agent after 2023. Verdugo is a free agent after 2024. Um, so none of these none of these guys are free agents even after next season. Uh, this isn't something that needs to be done imminently, but obviously the sooner you can get guys like this locked up in a long-term deal, the better. Um, so I guess I'm curious your thoughts on sort of how you would order those three in terms of priority yeah i've been kind of like thinking about this all day once i put this kind of like note sheet together and uh i i, I think i kind of wrote it down wrong i i actually think that i would have it uh bogart's verdugo devers and i've been kind of thinking about this because when it comes to devers I, I love the dude. Um, and I think he's a really, really good hitter. It's just like this year he really struggled because he came to to camp kind of unfit, you know, kind of a little bit heavy. Um, and uh, Bogarts and Verdugo, I just think that they were going to be like super dependable guys, and Devers is a, the more volatile of those three. Um, so I think I would go Bogarts for Dugo Devers. What about you? Yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. Um, I would also have Bogarts first. Um, part of that for me is simply that he's up first. Um, (laughs) assuming that opt-out is in play, which I would assume it is. Um, so I think that's a big deal. I think he's also sort of the glue of the roster in a weird way. Agreed. He's sort yeah. of, I mean, he's sort of always been the natural leader. Um, I mean, even when Mookie Betts was here, Mookie Betts was clearly the best player on the team. It always felt like Bogarts was sort of the guy in the clubhouse that everyone went to. He sort of is liked by everybody. Um, I think he's the kind of guy, even more so than a Devers or a Vertugo who might, who are, I think, are certainly better plays in the long term just because they're so much younger. Um, I think Bogarts is the kind of guy that you want to keep forever. 
I I agree. Um, but I would have I would have Devers ahead of Verdugo. Um, it part of that is certainly a bias, both because I've seen Devers more than I've seen Verdugo, and also um, fairly or unfairly Verdugo for me, and it's unfair to be quite honest. Verdugo didn't <laughs> have anything to do with this, but he I mean he's the guy that replaced Mookie Betts, and that's tough. Uh, but I mean I. Yeah. All that being said, I think Vertigo is fantastic. The more baseball reason and the more sort of grounded reason that I would have Devers ahead of Verdugo is that I think I I agree with the concerns about Devers' defense and the stuff about him coming in out of shape is obviously a concern. Um, I would hesitate to be too, too worried about it unless it happened again next year. Um I believe he just he had a kid last offseason. I would assume that kind of yeah. played into it a little bit. Um, yeah. But even putting all that aside, um, he's going to be – I'm confident he's going to be one of the best hitters in baseball, regardless of where he's playing on the field. And he's one of the – he's one of a handful of guys that you can say, I don't care where they play um, as long as they're in my lineup. Um, Verdugo was fantastic this year. I don't – I want to see it a little more. Not that I don't think he's a fantastic hitter, but he, I think he's more of like a 120-ish WRC plus guy. He actually finished 126. I thought he was higher than that. But uh, yeah, I think he's a little worse than what he showed this year. And I don't know. I think he's more of a really good player, whereas Rafael Devers can be one of the five best hitters in baseball for the next decade. Yeah, that that's totally fair. And and maybe I'm just kind of like poo-pooing on Devers this year because he really started off like really bad. I think um, that's a trend with him. I think he's, if I remember correctly, he started off badly he, he last did, year as it, well. Yeah, he did. You're right. Like he started off like really bad and Which isn't like a, caught on fire. I mean, I think that's a concern and I think that probably goes back to coming in out of shape too I don't remember really hearing those concerns as much as in 2019 but um, I mean it's certainly not a good thing <laughs> to start off poorly I, <laughs> I think it just stands out a little bit more in a season like this where you're only playing 60 games and you only have like a, a month or five weeks or whatever to recover from it yeah I agree um, but yeah I, I do agree that I mean if we could you know uh, extend like all these guys that'd be great um but yeah the the devers verdugo thing that's kind of interesting yeah i think and i think you could go in either direction i think i mean i certainly don't think it's unfair to put verdugo ahead just because he's i think he has a higher floor like if devers for some reason one reason or another doesn't hit or is just like an okay hitter uh there's really not much he's bringing to the table, whereas for Dugo, if he's a league average hitter, he's also providing really good defense in right field, and he can kind of move all around the outfield, and he he should be a good base runner. I think he's got to rein it in a little bit, but I think he'll get there. He's still young. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So I guess before we move on to the questions, and we'll get to Benintendi in the questions. The first question is a Benintendi extension question. Uh, but with these three, Devers, Bogarts, Verdugo, do you think any of them get extended? And if so, who is the most likely this offseason? This offseason? Um, I, 
I, I think that it would be Bogarts. Like, I really honestly think that he likes being a part of the club, likes being a part of the team. Um, and I think that they could, you know, you know, get him out of that that opt out and stuff. So I honestly, if you out of the three, I think it would be Bogarts. I think I think I agree. I don't think anybody's getting extended. Um, mostly because I don't really feel comfortable <laughs> predicting anything financially. Uh, this winter, I don't know. I have no idea what this off season is going to look like for anybody. And I, I mean, uh, yeah. Lord knows I've said enough about the Red Sox ownership. I don't think this is a Red Sox ownership problem. I think this is a Major League Baseball owners problem. And I, I think this winter is going to be even weirder than what we've gotten used to in the last few years. And if that's the case, I think Bogarts would be the hardest to extend, just because he'll make the most money in 2021 with an extension yeah like Devers and Verdugo might make as much through the duration if they buy out enough free agent years and it is a big enough extension but I think just in the short term which would be the concern coming off a pandemic year that would be the issue but I think I think in a normal offseason Bogart to make the most sense just this year everything's weird yeah yeah all right so that We'll do it for that. We have a good number of uh, listener questions today. We're going to start with um, Glove is Life, Richard Banks. Uh, Richard Banks did the classic celebrity apology move where he took a screenshot of a tweet that was too long. Uh, I kind of respect it. but uh, So he says, I'd like to hear uh, your opinion on possible extension candidates, um, which we did all that but he also said could benintendi be a candidate for a three-year deal to buy out arbitration and a free agent year or two uh could that be mutually beneficial and he says in parentheses if you think he can get back to at least league average uh so i'll let you answer that first but before you do i just want to point out that he did agree to an extension last year a short one just for two years to buy out his first couple arbier so he is under a guaranteed contract for this year uh he's making 6.6 so he has another year of arbitration in 2022 and then he would hit free agency after that but uh do you think a deal like that where you're maybe ripping up the 2021 and setting a new deal there and then another year or two after that is possible would that be something you'd look into um i mean if i was a team i would um because i honestly i really don't think that benintendi just went from where he was in what 2018 to where he yeah it's to where he is now like i i just that's in just incredible like i that would be just like really impossible um so yeah i mean if he's willing to look at an extension to buy out you know a couple years i would actually think about it yeah i think I think I disagree, and I don't really want to. <laughs> I really... I, For a long time, I've thought of myself as a Benintendi believer, and I just, I just remember seeing him... I was still living in Massachusetts when he got drafted. That was my last year in Massachusetts. So I saw him in Lowell a bunch when he first got drafted, and I just remember he was the best... 
minor league player I've ever seen. He just absolutely never should have played in Lowell. It wasn't fair. And I saw him in Portland after that, too, and I've obviously seen him with the Red Sox, and he just looks like a hitter, and it just looks like it should work. But I'm, I don't know, I'm worried. When I actually, like, take feelings out of it and kind of think about it as objectively as possible, I just am more worried than I thought I was. It's it's really been since halfway through 2018 that he's been good. I don't want to, like, trade him for whatever. I think that they should keep him and hope for a bounce back, but I also, I would sort of be playing it year by year with Penintendi if I was the Red Sox. Yeah, that's totally fair. Like, I looked into, like, some, like, some StatCast stuff, and basically he's just, like, being just, like, really just patient in the zone and then, like, swinging out of the zone, which basically tells me that you're totally lost. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy, like, just how kind of far he's fallen. He needs to have a big April next year, yes. wherever he is, because if he gets off to a bad start, he's the kind of... It's the kind of player that sort of gets in his own head and it just snowballs. Yep, agreed. Uh, so Sox Junkie asks, if there isn't a mutual interest between Bauer and the Red Sox, God willing, uh, who is the <laughs> next top starting pitcher that is available? Uh, Sox Junkie really likes Taiwan Walker, but would be curious if we preferred Stroman or Ray or Mike Miner or anybody else. So taking Bauer off the table... Uh, in terms of free agents, starting pitchers that you think are interesting? Um, I guess for me, it would definitely be Marcus Stroman. Um, I mean, I, I liked him uh, when he was with the with the Blue Jays. Um, you know, he has just like this really awesome kind of just attitude kind of thing um, that maybe can be off-putting, but I, I don't know. I kind of like it. Um... But definitely out of those guys, out of Walker, who, yeah, he looked good for a bit with the Mariners and a bit for the uh, for the Blue Jays, but then kind of tumbled a little bit. Uh, Robbie Ray, I don't even want to touch whatsoever. Um, and then Miner, he really backtracks. So out of those guys, I think I would I, I would be willing to see, you know, Strowman in a red sex uniform. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you. Um... When Jake and I talked about or put together a 2021 roster um, like a month or so ago, I had Stroman as sort of my quote-unquote big signing of the offseason. I also had Taiwan Walker as a smaller signing. I don't really think he's going to get that much money that he's going to be there. Um, so Stroman, I'm a big Stroman guy, and like you, I am a, I'm extremely low on Robbie Ray. Um, yes. I want nothing to do with Robbie Ray. Um I think another, a couple other names that are free agents this year that could be interesting. I've always loved Masahiro Tanaka, um, and it would be nice to make Yankees fans mad with that. Um, <laughs> James Paxton, another former Yankee, although I don't know what his health situation is. I wouldn't really touch that. Uh, John Lester yeah. is probably going to be a free agent. Again, he's obviously not John Lester of old, but there's some intrigue to that. I mean, there's a lot of, like number three starters out there. Jose Quintana, um, Rick Porcello, Jake Odorizzi. Um, so there's a lot of like names like that, but Trevor Bauer, as much as I would prefer them not sign Trevor Bauer for reasons both baseball-related and not, um, he's really the only guy that you can kind of look up at as an ace, I think. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's why I don't think that the Red Sox are going to sign him. Like, I think that he's just going to make just way too much money somewhere else. So I guess that brings us, we can jump right into the next question, which was just from Matthew Kitson. I don't know if you saw this tweet from Trevor Bauer uh, last, I think it was last night, um, but he j- tweeted a ticket, a plane ticket to Boston and said, hey, Red Sox, and he added the team account, you up. Uh, so that got a lot of people talking, and Kitson just wants oh. to say, what do you make of this? Um. That's interesting. No, I didn't see that tweet. <laughs> yeah, I just I saw it when he asked the question. I hadn't seen it before. Um, I will say I don't make anything of it. Um, I don't think teams are really talking to players right now. Um, and yeah. I don't know what Bauer is doing in Boston, but I feel like he just wants attention. And also him and Carabas, I think, are a little buddy-buddy, which is a relationship I won't get into in this podcast. But um, <laughs> I just I feel like he just wants attention. Eh, probably. I yeah. and I think, for whatever it's worth, I think there's a better chance than you seem to that the Red Sox will be in on it. Just because, if especially if he sticks to what he said before about signing one-year deals, which I'm not really holding my breath on, but um, I think that would be more palatable to a team like the Red Sox, who could kind of flex their financial muscles for a year. But that's fair. Um, yeah, I just I, this tweet specifically. I don't. I think it's just a guy who likes attention, looking for attention. Yeah. Uh, so Floyd asks, he's got a little tinfoil hat going on here. Uh, any reason or any chance the Red Sox got off easy on their sign stealing thing in part because they agreed not to rehire Alex Cora? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think their quote unquote sign stealing thing wasn't, you know, so, you know, Egregious. It, it definitely compared to the Astros. Yeah, and I, I also think that, for whatever reason, uh, it's possible that the Red Sox players just didn't talk as much as some of the Astros guys did, and not as much got out publicly, which helped them. But yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think as dumb as Rob Manfred is, I don't think he would be dumb enough to pull something like this uh, with yeah. public perception so far against him. I don't think he would do anything like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the big man asks if there is a Red Sox pitcher you could bring back from the dead to put in the rotation, who would it be? Uh, from the dead makes this tough. Yeah. Can we just bring back Babe Ruth and just put him in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I guess. I was going to say yeah. uh, Cy Young because he's yeah. Cy Young. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, around the Diamond podcast, this is a way too broad of a question, so I will narrow it down. He asks, uh, or she asks uh, what your ideal offseason for the Sox would be. Uh, so I am not going to make you lay out an entire offseason, but just <laughs> one move in particular that you think would be that is, like, top of mind for you, whether it's a specific player or just, like, a general approach. Um, Honestly, it's to focus on the extensions, to be honest. Either... Uh, Bogarts, uh, uh, yeah, Devers, or um, Verdugo. That's what my I- I- ideal offseason would be, to be honest. That's fair. Um, I would say I don't think this is the biggest focus, and I don't think this is the number one thing I want, but um, I want them to do something else at second base. Um, I am sick of this position. Every year... 
it seems like they won't sign a cheaper guy and they'll just sign either somebody super cheap like Barraza or maybe stick with what they have, which is, seems to be a direction they might go in this year with Arroyo and Munoz and say, ah, combine somebody, we'll figure it out and they'll get the same amount of war as the other guy and that never really works. So I don't need them to break the bank for like DJ LeMahieu or anything like that, but just like sign like Cesar Hernandez or something like that and just put somebody who you know is going to be solid at that position. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be upset about that as well. Like, I was really hoping um, that they were going to sign Cesar Hernandez as well, but... He's back on the market yeah. this year. He's a, once again at the top of my list. I just it, The second phase is turning into what shortstop was after Nomar before uh, Bogarts. <laughs> they just, just yeah. get somebody confident in there. Uh, exactly. Gabriel Angelini... Uh, I don't really have an answer for this, but if you do you can say if you don't that's okay too uh he wants to know talking about the coaching staff um any names involved not for manager but for other positions uh yeah uh sorry gabriel i yeah. I, I don't know i'm yeah. not gonna pretend <laughs> i know the market for pitching coaches and first base coaches and stuff i will say that i hope that they keep um Guys like Tom Goodwin and Carlos Fables, just because I like them a lot, but um, yeah, I don't really have a strong understanding of how valuable any coach like that is or is not. Uh, which is not to say that they aren't valuable, just that that stuff is behind closed doors, most of what they do. Yeah. Uh, and the last question is from Jeff Wax. Um, actually, we already talked about this. Current players most likely DFA'd. Um, so yeah, we spent most of the podcast on that, so we won't rehash that. Yeah. Uh, so that is going to do it for the show today. Um, we, You can rate and subscribe and do all that other stuff. Tell your friends uh, everything that you hear at the end of every podcast you've ever listened to. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Shelly is at ShellyV underscore 643. Um, I am at Over the Monster. You can find our writing at OverTheMonster.com. We get stuff up there every day, and we will throughout the off season. Uh, I think, I think I got everything right. Yeah, you did. All right, we're gonna end it there, and uh, we will be back with you next week. <laughs>